Would you exchange everything you hold dear to have more bucks in the bank? I dare say that nobody who ever listened to this would be willing to do that. And the good news is you don't have to. As stated in previous recordings, if you go for quality of life first, if you plan the other things, then they're far more likely to happen as well. And the better balanced you are, ultimately, the more income you're going to have. Hey everyone, welcome to The Ziggler Show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and I'm here to inspire your true performance from the framework established by Zig Ziglar, one of the top motivators and personal development leaders our world has ever known, who believed we could all be more, do more, and have more. How? Improving ourselves, beginning with how we think about ourselves. So today, let's break down some personal development. In this show, we hear from Zig Ziglar about a guy pursuing what he deemed as success, but once Zig helped him unpack, literally... He realized this guy that the direction he was going was not at all going to produce what he really wanted. And I think aspects of the message will speak to all of us. They definitely do to me. Uh, from the message, I ask this question on Facebook. What is a pursuit you have given up for the better? Something you quit going after and are grateful you did. We got responses on career and business pursuits, schooling, uh, personal relationship issues. So Michelle Prince joined me to talk through all the comments. It was really amazing. You can, of course, join these weekly discussions with us by finding and friending me on Facebook at Agent K, as in Kevin, Agent K Miller. I'd be honored to hear from you, your perspective, your experiences. So we're going to kick off with an eight-minute message, a little bit longer than normal, but it's so well worth it. An eight-minute message from Zig right after we hear about some great resources. All right, folks, here then again is an eight-minute message from Zig Ziglar. This is a classic story that will set up our Q&A. Here we go. Several years ago, I got a letter from a gentleman in Toronto, Canada. The letter contained a substantial check. And he said, Mr. Ziglar, I know you don't do counseling, but I have a young friend who's destroying his health, losing his family, and uh, I believe you're the only person he will listen to. He has great respect for you. If you will give us an hour, I will fly the two of us to Dallas. The check is yours if you'll spend the hour with us. Well, you know, when somebody is that serious and has that kind of friend, boy, the first thing I thought is, man, isn't it wonderful to have a friend like that? So I sent the check back, told him to come on down. Young man's name was Steve Walker. They walked in and we uh, started our dialogue and it came out over a period of several uh, moments there. I uh, asked him, I said, now I understand that your boss is your hero. He said, that's right, he's the most successful man that I know. And I said, I also understand that you're a hard worker. He said, yes, I am a hard worker. Let me tell you how, just how hard he was working because his boss was a hard worker. The young man was leaving every morning at 6 o'clock to go to work. Drove 30 miles. He got home, uh, generally speaking, after 10 o'clock at night. On several occasions, he literally went to sleep driving. His health was deteriorating. His family was coming apart. And uh, he was really, uh, you know, following uh, this guy who was his boss. And I said, I understand your boss is your hero. And he said, well, yeah, he's the most successful man I know. 
And I said, well, now, we kind of got to look at success and see what it is. I said, uh, I'd like for you to tell me what you consider success to be. And uh, we talked, and, and he did not come out with them in the same order that we've listed them on uh, numbers of occasions. But the bottom line is when we finally got through, he agreed that anybody who was happy and healthy and at least reasonably prosperous and secure, who had friends, peace of mind, good family relationships, and hoped that the future was going to be better, was a successful man. And I said, well, now let's do something that most people never do, including those of you listening to this tape. And that is, let's evaluate where we are in pursuit of what we want as versus where we think we might be. And I said to the young man, for example, we know that in any audience, if I divide the audience exactly half in two, and they're all salespeople, same experience, same territory, set on the same product, same abilities, but one keeps precise records on the people they call on, what happened and how they can improve on the next one will sell dramatically more than the other one will. And I said, on weight loss... If you take people, those who keep exact records on what they eat, I mean, every bite will lose weight faster and they will keep it off longer than well, those who say, well, I don't really eat that much. You know, it depends on what they call much. Most people on that are in denial. And as you know, denial is just a river in Egypt. As far as, uh, you know, a lot of people are concerned. So I said, let's talk about your boss and let's see how he measures up with your picture of success. I said, first of all, uh, how happy is your boss? And he said, well, you know, I don't really think he's happy. And I said, well, why do you say that? And he said, well... First of all, I almost never see him smile. I don't think I've heard him laugh a half a dozen times. And on top of that, he's got ulcers. I said, well, let me tell you something. Based on what you just told me, we got to give him a failing grade on the happiness part there. And on the health, if he's got ulcers, that raises a, a, you know, a failure there on, uh, at this particular moment. And I said, you get ulcers not because of what you eat, but because of what's eating you. And so that means he doesn't have peace of mind. I said, now I've asked you one question and three of the eight things that you consider to be success, he doesn't have. I said, tell me about how prosperous is he? He said, oh man, he said, he is rolling in the dough and he's making more all the time. And I said, well, okay. On the prosperity bit then, we will give him a big old plus. Now, let me ask you, how secure is uh, your boss? Now, understand, he's thinking mostly financial security. And he said, well, he's as secure as money can make him. And I said, well, now, we had an ex-governor worth over $100 million, and he went bankrupt. How does your boss compare to him? He said, oh, he doesn't have that much money. I said, well, we had an industrialist in this area worth over half a billion. He went bankrupt, so he couldn't compare with him, could he? And I said, he said, no. So I said, rather the financial security, would it be fair to say that as far as that's concerned, there is a legitimate question? He said, yeah, things happen. Actually, only 19 
of the top 100 corporations in America in 1900 are still in business today. So we do know that things change there. I said, tell me, how many friends does your boss have? He thought of me and said, I don't think he's got any. He said, actually, I'm not his friend. I I just admire him uh, a lot. Uh, To tell you the truth, the guy is somewhat of a jerk. I said, okay, then we'll give him a failing grade on that one. I said, tell me about his family relationships. And he said, well, his wife's divorcing him. So I said, well, we kind of got to give him a big old X on that one. I said, tell me about his hope for the future. He said, well, now, he thinks he's got a great future, but I'm beginning to think that, uh, you know, maybe he doesn't after all. I said, well, in other words, we could put an honest question mark on the hope part. He said, yeah, I think we could. And I said, well, now, let's take a little inventory of the eight things you consider to be success. He gets a plus on one. He gets a minus on five and a maybe on two of them. Now, I said, let me ask you a question. Based on this actual, factual exploration of your admiration for the most successful man you know, would you swap places with him? The young man uh, sat there kind of stunned for quite a few seconds. Then slowly he stood up. He extended his hand, indicating the interview was over. Now, as you listen to this tape, let me ask you a question. Would you exchange everything you hold dear to have more bucks in the bank? I dare say that nobody who ever listened to this would be willing to do that. And the good news is you don't have to. As stated in previous recordings, if you go for quality of life first, if you plan the other things, then they're far more likely to happen as well. And the better balanced you are, ultimately, the more income you're going to have. Well, there you go, folks. That is a story that should stick with you. I'd really recommend listen to it again. Uh, I think I think I have my values set, but so often find myself pursuing something or saying yes to something that is just not best when I really unpack it like this. Uh, in the show, you'll actually hear the issue of boundaries come up, uh, among other things, but that's a significant one for all of us, it seems like. Again, the question I asked was what is a pursuit you've given up for the better? Something you quit going after and are grateful you did. Well, here then, Michelle Prince and I read through your questions. Well, Michelle, in posting this question, I I like that. We all have that mantra of the guy that we were trying to think of, you know, never, ever, 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 ever quit. And, And I love that in regards to a goal that persistence, we know that perseverance is often what sees us through, though sometimes we need to change the methodology. So we got that. Sometimes we need to quit the way that we're doing it, do another methodology, but stay true to the goal. But then also, and this has come up in recent shows, there's sometimes goals, things that we think that we should go after or or, or that we believe we're supposed to be, that if we step back, realize that's, that's not one that I should be, be going after. And so posting this question, we came up with, or people submitted some great things that they were going after good things, but then realizing they need to quit. And now that they have, Oh my gosh, something better happened. So it's, it's such a, it can be such a freeing, uh, issue as well. And so you said that you've got a couple that have happened in your own life. Fill oh, us yes. in, fill me in. 
Oh yeah. Oh, and the first one that comes to mind what happened in, it was about 1997. I was working for Zig. I was working at the Ziegler headquarters and loved my job. I mean, I was working at probably one of the most motivational places in the world with a man and a team that was just beyond yeah. imagination. And I was living my passion. So I loved what I did, but it was around the time there was a dot-com boom, which uh, what that means is uh, I was kind of being lured away in a software job that the pay was, you know, 10 times more than I was making, you know, Ed Ziegler. And so I, I quit Ziegler to go basically climb a corporate ladder. Mm-hmm. I really, at the time felt like, cause I was always very successful in sales. I was always very goal oriented. And even at Ziegler, I was very competitive and I wanted to be, you know, top in sales. So it was just natural for me to want to just go to the next level, which was Mm -hmm. to get into corporate, to get into software, you know, to do all these big things. And then I got there (laughs) and realized that what am I doing? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, when you're climbing a corporate ladder, basically you're going up, but you're leaving everybody else behind. And at the time I was starting to have kids. I would, I had just recently got married. We had kids and it's just over time. I just started realizing like, why did I want this so badly? Because all that means is, yes, we make a little more money, but I'm never home and I'm not happy and I'm not making a difference like I was doing at Ziegler. Mm-hmm. And so that that was a big eye opener for me of, you know, what we think we want and what we think will make us happy isn't always the case if, if your passion's not tied to it, if you're, if you're chasing it for the wrong reasons. And- oh my goodness. Yeah. And I, I'm like you, it's so acute that issue is in business, especially in entrepreneurial world of going after things. And I have and realized, man, I don't really care about the product. It's a great idea. Make a lot of money. And I've done it the opposite way too, where it's, it's more idealistic and I'm running like a ministry and not thinking about the money and had to come around. So, so we got, we got people commenting on stuff like that, as well as some of the personal issues, uh, relational things and character things and, uh, that will hit, which I've done as well. I, I always struggle with the, I have to be uh, Superman and fix everything for everybody. And man, it just runs me into the ground and I end up being a martyr and it's not helping people. So we got a bunch of those. We got both sides of that. So we'll, we'll hit those off though. I'll have to give kudos here to Tony Chung. He was our, he started off with comic relief. The thing that he gave up for something better. He says other women now that I'm married. Well, okay. Well, that's good. Good, <laughs> yeah, good answer. That, that is a solid answer that I'm sure your wife is grateful for. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, Mark Williams, he says, Kevin, without question, one of the best decisions has been to no longer make it my priority to solve others problems and to make others happy. That's a prison, um, that I understand. Um, I, do too. I bet you, I was going to say, I bet you do too, Michelle. Yeah. I don't know what that is. I mean, we, we, you know, people pleasing or just wanting to, to help people. But then what happens is, is you give so much and then you don't get anything, you know, it's, it's hard to keep that cup full (laughs) if if you're constantly pouring it out. And, um, so that's where I, for me personally, that's where I started really learning about boundaries and, Mm -hmm. you know, understanding what, what, what is it that I'm, called to do. And what is it? There's this great analogy and I don't want to take us off tangent, but I just have to share it because it's so perfect when it comes to this and doing things for other people, because we need to do things for other people. Yeah. But there was this, this came from the, a book called uh, having a merry heart in a Martha world. And it was a story about how this man right. was going to the top of the mountain. He had a wagon and, and God called him to go to the, told him to carry these rocks, this rock up to the top of the mountain for me. And I'll meet you there. And he was so excited that 
God was asking him to do something really cool. And he's on his way up there. And then one of his neighbors asked like, oh, hey, where are you going? You're going to the top of the mountain. Well, I have some rocks that need to go up there too. Would you mind? Wow. No, not at all. Put them in the, in the wagon. And he goes a little bit farther. And another person asks, and says, oh, yeah, sure, sure. I'm going up there anyway. Put it in the wagon. And ha- about halfway up there, he's starting to just get really, you know, he's exhausted. And it's, he's pulling this wagon. And then he starts to get kind of mad. Like, I can't believe God asked me to do such a big task. I mean, my gosh, this is more than I can handle. And finally gets to the top of the mountain and he thinks for sure God's going to just praise him like, yes, you did it. And you did this for so many other people. And his comment was, why did you do more than I've asked you to do? You know, my burden is my, um, I'm sorry, my, my, my yoke, y- is, yoke is easy. And my burden easy, is light. My burden Absolutely. Is and uh, do not, you know, I didn't ask you to do more than that. Sometimes we try. So all that to say, sometimes we yeah. try so hard to do things for other people, but we're not if we're not called to do that, and if it's only going to take us away from what we're supposed to be doing, it's not a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm boundaries is a weak area for me always has been. And for folks, listen, if you're not aware of it, I think the classic handbook on boundaries is called the book called boundaries, Henry, Henry cloud and John towns. And that set the stage for that issue. I think for mo- for so many people. And recently we interviewed uh, Lori Harder. Her book is called a tribe called bliss. And she has a segment in there that brought me back around to the issue again. And about how I've gotten away from that as well. It's a rut that I fall into of no boundaries. I want to be a yes, man. It's you and I've talked about it so many times, Michelle, I'm a people pleaser. Yeah. Uh, and to that, you know, to, to a vocational standpoint, we have so many people, well, heck, you know, Ziggler, we have so many people involved with, but here in the show, in our audience, so many people who are in the coaching, uh, consulting, even counseling realms. And that's an area that falls into this a lot, uh, with boundaries. I know that that was the hardest part it really brought me to a place of burnout for a while. Uh, at the height of my own consulting, doing business consulting and personal development consulting, because I took responsibility for the person's results. Uh, They paid me, especially as my fees went up and uh, I felt responsible and finally burnt myself out and stopped doing it. Uh, I later did do a little bit more and, and, but from a different standpoint of I am, I'm responsible to give them my best. I'm not responsible for the outcome, but so the coaches, consultants, counselors out there, I think uh, that's a big issue that, as you say, it rears its head a lot. It sure does. It sure does. Um, I'm still, I think I'm all, I, I, I think that's like the alcoholic thing. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that I'll ever recover from that. I just constantly have to de- deal with it. Uh, you know, on, on that same similar wavelength, Brie here, Brie Wingate, she says, seeking approval. Uh, it's a joy, confidence, and self-worth stealer. That's a great definition of that seeking approval, uh, which, you know, that's hand in hand with what you and I talked about with, uh, being a people pleaser, it's mm-hmm. seeking approval. Uh, Lindsay Washington says, I quit my certification to become a teacher in lieu of taking a job in the corporate world. And I'm really glad I did because it resulted in me making more money and progressing up the ranks faster. I'm still technically teaching uh, because I'm a manager over the new hires at our company, company just in a different scope. Well, there's a, a different take on your experience. She went in there yeah. and has found it instead of becoming a teacher going in there, but realizing I love that, realizing she can fulfill that role of teaching even in the corporate world. I think that's fantastic because mm-hmm. you're right. Typically, it is the opposite. In fact, even my husband... Um, after his mom passed away, realized how short life was, and he wasn't happy in his corporate career. So he quit to go pursue, and he became a teacher. Wow. Um, 
So it's sometimes the opposite, but you know, it's figuring out what, what is going to, to make you happy and light you up that, that, and if that's teaching or if it's corporate, you know, there's no right or wrong, yeah. but just knowing. Oh goodness. Yeah. I had a really close friend who, uh, maybe a decade or so ago, she had been long-term, uh, I think it was with HP, just executive six figures, you know, doing that. And she spent so much time in her role, just counseling other people that she finally went mm-hmm. after that, went and got her counseling degree. And, uh, so this is age 57 uh, wow. I, I believe that she did that spent two years, got a counseling degree and then boom, went in and filled a practice doing counseling, which is what she'd been doing. Uh, didn't make as much money in that. Absolutely loved it. Um, That's awesome. Congratulations yeah. to her. That's a yes. big deal. Yes. It's amazing. Yeah. Where we can see when we, this, this is goes to the value of understanding what our talents, gifts, abilities, uh, traits are and making sure we do that. Cause like you, Michelle, I've been involved in so many things and mm-hmm. here I am just launching another new business endeavor. I'm doing the same thing that I was 25 years ago in essence, the heart of it. Um, yes. So yeah, <laughs> valuable to know what your deal is. Uh, Brian Lynchard, he says, uh, I, okay. Now he's, he's referring to Lindsay. He says, I did nearly the opposite. I stopped trying to climb the corporate ladder and stopped trying to make more money. Uh, I got out of the corporate world and I am much happier now Uh, to each his own, right? We all have our path. We all have our path. Um, Lisa, she says, I gave up being a people pleaser and trying to make everyone happy as a mom and a nurse. It's in my nature. Goodness. As a nurse. Yeah, absolutely. In my nature to try to keep everyone happy, even at my own expense. I finally learned that both professionally and personally, you can't make or keep everyone happy. I shouldn't drive myself crazy or compromise my own ethics to go along with something just to not make waves and keep others happy. I had a harsh lesson in this at my current job, which led to my resignation. I was expected to just accept the unprofessional and downright inappropriate behavior just to keep department leaders happy at the employee's expense. I spoke up and went to HR, which was hard to me, hard for me since I am a people pleaser, but it had to be done. I do not regret it as uh, significant department issues were brought up to the attention of the administrators who can make a change. Wow. Mm. This sounds very recent and, and, and fairly raw, Lisa. Thanks for sharing. Absolutely. Uh, this- that's a tough one. I mean, that's complicated and messy and dealing with HR and, and involves but- money and income. And in- Yes, yeah. absolutely. But, but I, I love that she did that though, because ultimately she's fought, you know, she's keeping her integrity yeah. and doing what she knows is right. Well, and looking at these work things, and this has been my life that, you know, there's the money on the one side going after the money and realizing you left your heart behind and people making the switch for that. And then I spent a lot of time on the other side of attending to the heart and not to the business and money, which my wife can tell you all about. Uh, but recovering from that, you know, it's, it's interesting. We all have our propensities and I hope that these shows, well, I know they do. That's what people talk about and testify to these shows that hearing other people being on a similar journey gives us all a comfort level. And, and, and oftentimes I think a permission to, uh, attend to our own heads and hearts. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, Chris McNall, he says, other, again, other people's approval. I've learned that I'm only in competition with myself. And as long as I'm not hurting anyone, I should only worry about competing with myself. You know, it's interesting. I, I just saw another video, uh, 
dealing with social media. This, mm-hmm. this has me thinking about that people's approval. I wonder if we're at an all time high of yeah. dealing with that because of social media, it was probably a year ago or so on Tom Bilyeu's show impact theory. Tom is the founder, uh, one of the initial founders of quest nutrition, billion dollar company. We had him on the show about a year ago. He interviewed Simon Sinek, who we've also had on the show. He's the author of start with why, Tom interviewed Simon. Simon talked about millennials and cell phones. That video has been seen by, I don't know how many millions of people. If you want to find it, type in Simon Sinek, S I N E K millennials, and you'll find it. It's still making the rounds today. Like it just came out and it's been out for a while. And he talked about the dopamine hit of social media and the approval uh, seeking. He just had another video come out. It's just him. And he is he, he's almost exasperated. I mean, this is obviously something that he's really uh, grappling with is what he sees uh, is happening to the culture and especially to the younger uh, crowd with social media and with that dopamine hit. But I think that we can take into our striving for approval. I wonder, and I'm just uh, hypothesizing here, you know, if, if we're at a crisis of that, as we have, when we know the stats, as we have less intimate relationships and more shallow ones that we are seeking approval. And so we go on to Facebook and Instagram. I have to think about myself sometimes when I go on there. What's the, why am I doing this? Am I doing it for right. business, for money? Am I doing it because I need an ego boost? Am I doing it because I really want to help people? What is the reason? And I, I, even I get lost in it sometimes. I do too. I mean, it's morphed, I think, into so much more than what it started as. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. But, you, you know, I, I, I think about, so, you know, what we post is not the bad stuff, right? So we're always yeah. posting the, all the great things. So it gives off this impression that people are just doing so much better than we are, or yeah. they're more successful or they're happier and, you know, all of these things, but that's not true. It's just what they're posting. And so I feel like it's just, it's a fake reality. You know what I mean? Even though it is real, but it's not, it's not real. And like you said, we don't have that personal relationship yeah. beyond the surface to really know. And, and that's where, I think that's where the people pleasing comes in where we're like, Oh my gosh, you know, comparing, 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 and then feeling bad about ourselves. And should we start doing negative posts today? I bounced today. I bounced a check (laughs) today. Today I had a really bad argument with my wife. (laughs) We could, we could tell you about it. I don't know if it inspire anybody, but at least it'd be real. Right. (laughs) And here's what I look at. Like when I just woke up with no makeup on, exactly. Uh, Well, you know, there's probably room for that. And thanks to these sponsors for bringing us today's show. (laughs) Uh, Well, Heidi Herring, she says, uh, even though I still got a physical condition, uh, I assume she means a negative one, I recently stopped doing nothing. And started doing a few things around here with with God's help. Uh, I think I should have been doing that years ago. You know, that's when is is near and dear to my heart in the medical world, uh, health and wellness world that I work in. That we have a culture that, especially as we get older and older these days, I hear some people talking about I'm older and they're sixty, and some people say and I feel older and they're thirty. Yes. Uh, and we get an injury, we injury, we get a weakness, and we protect it, which makes sense. Obviously. I mean, think about that. My wife just had a, a accident. She fell and hurt her elbow. So, you know, it needs to be in a sling for a while and you protect it, but then it's right. physical therapy. Let's get that thing strong again. We we're in a culture who has started more and more and more. We just protect ongoing and we see people at younger and younger ages 
infirm. And the less we use something to a degree, and, and I don't want to get too deep into this, but Parkinson's disease, we look at that as a, 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 a muscle uh, issue and a, a movement disease. And it's really, a, to some degrees, it's a lack of movement disease. And we're mm-hmm. seeing the abilities to reverse that to some degrees. And it's going back. It's almost like a uh, somebody who was uh, who got uh, uh, paralysis in their legs and having, but, but that can be regained, having to learn to walk again, and we're seeing that even with Parkinson's. So I, I appreciate her saying that because, yeah, any any weakness or lessening that we have, if we continue to protect it and do nothing, as Heidi says, man, it just leads downhill. We've got yeah. to. That's where stress is good. You know, we need to stress our, like our muscles. And how inspiring for other people, yeah. because how many people are in a situation where they feel like they can't do anything, so they don't even try. So that's just, that inspires me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a big issue. I like that. I, I recently stopped doing nothing and started doing a few things. Uh, that is good. Brian here says, well, uh, he's joking with us. I didn't drink any scotch tonight. Well, good for you, Brian. Uh, but seriously, <laughs> I stopped chasing money and salary and stopped trying to climb the corporate ladder. Obviously that one comes in again, because it's one of the things that we often go after for the wrong reasons. I know when my dad, Dan Miller first started doing personal business coaching, his top two uh, areas of clientele were lawyers and pastors. Hmm. which after the years went by, he realized because so many of them, people go into those specific professions for the wrong reasons. Lawyers oh. often, and it can be, and I, I'm not dissing lawyers, but you know, money, power, fame, whatever it may be, can, mm-hmm. can be accommodated in that. And pastors, so many people, especially there, I was privy to that, probably being a Christian and being in that crowd, mm-hmm. but people who are, they want to serve. It's, it's out of a great heart and yeah. think to do that. I need to go into the fivefold ministry in essence, as opposed to realizing, and we've seen so many stories, especially from my dad's yeah. coaching consulting people who are able to evangelize and be used by God in the business world or in the, you know, as a teacher or whatever, mm-hmm. more so than as a pastor where they were miserable or, you know, right. uh, we see that obviously so often. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and you have seen that more firsthand in that. It was interesting. Yeah. I was recently recording an audio book. And so I was um, recording an old book that I wrote a long, long time ago. And then uh, something new that I'm working on. And it was interesting because, you know, I told you the story about how I followed the money. I mm-hmm. followed you know, when I left Ziegler to go follow the money and then realize it wasn't really what I thought it was. It took me a while, 13, yeah. 14 years. But then uh, in, it, what I had written, though, was it wasn't that long ago that I, you know, followed the passion where it's like, OK, money doesn't matter as much. Fame doesn't matter as much. You know, follow what, what really makes your heart sing. And um, so it's either one either way. It's, it's something that's just leading you down a path and and something's making you so uncomfortable, good or bad, that it makes you want to make a change. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, you know, uh, it calls us, well, and we're back to the essence of Ziegler yes. and goals and understanding what are the things that we want. And I love that, you know, not just having the goals, but going back to the Ziegler wheel of life that we work on every single week with our guests and going through their habits and looking at what are the areas of success that I want in each one, just as the message we heard from Zig to start this show off. It's, uh, that's the balance that we, yeah, if we could, if we could caveat all the goals uh, you know, messages out there with in these certain areas, not yes. just one, not just the one goal that we tend to gravitate towards, which is, you know, money career. Right. Exactly. Well, here's an interesting Jimmy Ziegler. Uh, he says, uh, excellent question. I was, I was going to be a world famous guitar player. 
uh, girls were going to be throwing their bras at me on stage and I was going to be hanging out with the likes of Bon Jovi and Van Halen. But unfortunately, right. unfortunately for the music world and all those screaming girls, he has in quotes, uh, I was not very good at it. Uh, but it took until I was about 30 to find out for myself. I'm positive that I wouldn't have survived all the fame and fans and the whole lifestyle. So I'm happy that God knew me better than I knew myself because I wouldn't be the happy Christian with four wonderful sons and one extremely beautiful granddaughter named Lily K. Ziegler uh, that I'm so very proud of. Uh, also, I don't think that I would have discovered the philosophy of the late great Zig Ziglar of living my life. That's something I'm also very proud of as well. Well, that's an interesting take on it, going after something and realizing, gosh, I'm actually not that uh, good at it. It, it. That brings me to the concept where we tell kids the propensity, you can do anything you want. I've had this discussion with my kids. Well, you can, <laughs> but some of them you're going to stink at. Kind of going back to that thing of trying to have a, you know, teach a duck to climb like a monkey. It's always going to be a duck. Uh, right. I think if we caveat that into the, again, going back to where we talked about a little bit ago, Michelle, understanding those gifts, talents, abilities, mm-hmm. and uh, anything we go in that fits around those, I think, yeah, we have a huge chance. And, you know, I'm curious with you and working with so many people who are writing a book. Now, on one hand, I, I know you say, oh, gosh, anybody, we can help you get a book together. But mm-hmm. going after, if you're, let's just say the, the life of an author. How about if we put it in that? Not just writing a book, because I know you say that that's the best business card. And so in some sense, you know, we can do that for everybody. But if somebody wants to live the life, I want to be a paid author. I want to be a Stephen King. I want to be whatever. There's got to be some times when you've told people or realized, I don't know that that's in your wheelhouse. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I guess fortunately for me, I'm not a fiction writer, so I'm not judging people on that because I don't know that I would be the right person to tell you if it's good or bad. But, uh, but sure. Yeah. There's plenty of times, you know, like even speaking, you know, there are plenty of people that, that just are not naturally, they, they don't have the ability to connect, connect with people, um, from afar and others do. So it's just kind of like knowing what, what your gifts are and strengths and, um, you know, it really just, well, on that one and speaking, I've had to realize, and it's, it's not a, a, uh, a never say never type thing, but it's not something I naturally enjoy. Um, I'll do it when it's necessary and, and I'm sure I'll do it some more. And and I've gotten testimony. I do a pretty good job, but man, it's, it's, it doesn't give me energy. How about that? Uh, Interesting. I dig doing this with you. I, yes, I, I, this I, is fun. I script it out. And we get to sit here and talk and do the live Q. That is, we talked about that before. That is my favorite speaking gig. If I've got to be on a stage, please put me with some people and do a live Q and A. Love that. But when it's delivering a message, I don't know why. I just have realized it's not my favorite thing to yeah. do. And the fact that you know that is good, so you're not wasting time going no. after that. When, you know, so many people do, they think, oh, if I'm, I'm a speaker, I'm an author, it's just going to make me so happy. Well, I don't know. Is it? It just depends what your purpose is, you know, what your passions are. And You know, I should, I should point out there, you know, in business, I am a huge fan of modeling others' success. So if you want to go... Yes do podcasting, go look at who is doing well. So we, we, we get that. that. That's great. That's great counsel. However, I have done that to a, an errant degree where I have taken somebody and said, Oh my gosh, they're knocking on the park. Let me model after that only to realize it didn't fit me that aspect of it. So understanding what fits you. I did that with Gary Vaynerchuk. He's the wine library guy way back uh-huh. when, and the guy's engagement was out of the world. And I said, oh my gosh, I need to do, instead of podcasting, I need to do video casting. Well, 
I'm just sitting here as a talking head. He is, <laughs> of course, he's an entertainer. He's super animated, but he's also, he's showing you wine. Here are the wines. He's swirling around. He's spitting it in his little helmet spittoon. So there's something to actually see. And I didn't, I didn't resonate with that. I just saw, oh, he's doing that. That's doing well. Mm-hmm. I should model that and didn't take into account how it may not have been the best fit for mine. So that's just my own call out to yes, model success, but also be cognizant of how it may or may not fit directly to what you're doing or who you are. Oh my goodness. I so relate to that, especially when I was growing my business and just, I, I do believe that, you know, shorten the learning curve, get a mentor, get somebody who's done it before, but it, which is, I still believe. But there was a couple of times that I had some some people tell me some things in, in my speaking or how to sell from the stage and all that. And it just was not me. It, yeah. And I and there was a couple of times I tried like verbatim things that they told me to say. And I'm like, this is just just so not me. Yeah. <laughs> but you learn that you move on and, and you know. And granted, some of that you don't, you know, there, there should we should have a call out for trying things because. I think yes. a lot of that, we can hear this, hear all this information and, and, and go, gosh, I got to figure this out and this out and this out and this out and this out, this out before I can actually do something. I think a lot of times we're not going to figure out where our desires are, where our skills are until we try it. So I'm grateful that there's a lot of stuff that I've tried only to realize either one, I wasn't that good at it or two, I just didn't like it. Yeah. Uh, so here's your vote for trying. You know, uh, Franz Johansson is a guy who wrote the book, The Medici Effect. It was probably 15 years ago or so. I saw him at an event one time, and the thing that stuck out that I repeated so many times, and he says one of the primary traits as he was researching entrepreneurs that he saw was not brilliance or risk-taking or all this stuff. They were just willing to try more things, period. They were just willing to try and you can take into that. So they were willing to fail as well, maybe, but that doesn't mean you have to have a catastrophic failure to fail at something, but they just were willing to try more things. And I have seen that no matter the personality type risk averse or not, that the people who I often or ultimately see do well in business going after things are the ones are just willing to try just to figure out if it fits or not. I, Um, yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. I totally agree. Uh, There was a, quote that when I was starting my business too, I would hold on to it. it says, you don't have to get it right to get it going. Mm-hmm. Meaning like you do just have to try something. And, and if it works, great, you know, throw spaghetti on the wall, see if it sticks. And <laughs> well, come on, what's, what's Zig's uh, quote? You don't have to be brilliant to start. You have to start to be brilliant. It's not that though. It's, it's uh you don't have to start to be great or you don't have to be great to start. You have to start, start to be great. You have to Is that it? start to be great. Yes. I think he got that from somebody else though. But Did I, he? I Remember who? Okay. Well, Pox on us for getting it wrong. We should know that. He said it a I lot. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I like I mean, that. I've got hundreds of other ones, but yeah, you know, yeah. we don't uh, know that one. Audrey Steele, she says what she had to quit was trying to fix other people. Uh, I mm. left that pursuit behind many years ago and it's been life changing. A lot of energy wasted on something that's not even my job. It enabled others immaturity and created so much stress in my life, trying to control things out of my control. I, you know, again, speaks, that's still one that I have to, especially as we're, as I'm involved in, and just helping people and helping people that are real needy. It's, it's so hard to not be results focused. And I get my, I see my anxiety starting to come up when I'm worrying about their result and realizing I am, I am not God is, is what I have to come back to saying. So I appreciate Audrey uh, saying that because I have wasted too many brain cells and probably taking some years off my life, trying to control things that are out of my control. Um, that's a hard one. 
That's that's again back to books like Boundaries and and, and whatnot. And again, I'll, I'll pull out again uh, uh, Lori Harder's book, A Tribe Called Bliss. She has some incredible counsel. Really, really in, impressed me and inspired me. Well, hey, here's our last one, and it comes from you'll appreciate this, Michelle, none other than my wife. Terry Miller. She says she had to quit solopreneur efforts. I want to point out though, that the term is solopreneur. She didn't say entrepreneur efforts, solopreneur efforts. She says, I'm a collaborator at heart. Going it alone is definitely not my skill set. And the big analogy for me is years ago, as I was going through my businesses, I love a blank sheet of paper. I want a blank Mm. sheet. Don't tell me how to do it. Uh, I want to, I love creating the skeleton, the framework of it. And then though, I'm not that good. Uh, you know, the business today, I am the skeleton framework guru. I don't put muscle and flesh on things. There are other people that are great at doing that. And, uh, she hates the white paper. She hates the blank sheet of paper and has realized now I don't want it. If that's what it is, not for me. You put some skeleton and some framework on there. I'm your girl. Uh, that's a great understanding that would not have happened back to trying without right. her trying. Yeah. Well, and then some people might even feel like, well, I, I have to do this. This is what other people do. And I have to be an entrepreneur. Everybody's an entrepreneur. And, yeah. um, but, but you're right. If, if you know that you are better with somebody else, that's awesome. And that the opposite is also true. There's plenty of people that have partnerships or, or, you know, group that they're, they're not meant to be, uh, they're, they're two individual thinkers <laughs> that, yeah. are, you know, might not come together. Yeah. So kudos yeah. to her for knowing that. Oh my herself. gosh. Absolutely. You know, I'll point out though, you made me think of something. I have uh, a lady I've worked with and I'll even, I'll even promote her here. Brenda Dunnigan, D-U-N-A-G-A-N. I have worked with her. Initially it was like an executive assistant role. Now I call her a business manager. She's probably has a primary role in this new business we're rolling out. But she realized that once she wanted to be an entrepreneur, she had been in the corporate world at a big level, wanted to be an entrepreneur, but she is a collaborator. She doesn't like the white sheet of paper. Mm -hmm. She created a thriving business being that collaborating uh, piece for other entrepreneurs who did like the white sheet of paper. Interesting. Uh, yeah, it was interesting to me too, to say none, none of this precludes somebody who wants to go after being an entrepreneur though. Credit to what you said. I have been guilty. I think of, of sometimes holding entrepreneurship up as the Holy grail of life. And it is not, it is not, <laughs> but if you do have that desire for, you know, the things that come with entrepreneurship to know that you do not have to be the white, uh, blank sheet of paper people. I love seeing sometimes some of the recent big businesses where you hear it's uh, a couple siblings that did it or a group of friends yes. or whatnot that are the co-founders. This, this business I'm doing is a hundred percent in unison with a, a guy who's been my best friend for so long. And we, we didn't do it, but we thought about, uh, oh gosh, actually Jessica Honiger. She is the, uh, we interviewed her because of her book. I got to look behind me here. Imperfect courage was a recent interview. She is, uh, one of the founders of Noonday Collections, the largest fair trade jewelry company in the world. And she calls herself, and she actually corrected me one time, uh, she is the co-CEO. Um, she actually shares that. I looked at doing that with this business, but we got counseled otherwise. It's, it's semantic somewhat. But I love that co-CEO. This was not even... Uh, uh, just to differentiate that they were both leading in that capacity. It was kind of neat. And I'm seeing that more and more. I see that on you know Shark Tank and whatever, where it's so seldom just one solitary person. That's right. Yeah. Whatever works, right? And just knowing that. And so 
awesome that your wife knows that and you know it. So. Yeah, yeah, yep, absolutely. Well, so I hope that this gave some, uh, got some comfort, some permission, maybe some inspiration to uh, embrace some things that you need to quit. Uh, so we should we call this the quitter show? It's, 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 it sounds so, <laughs> so bad. <laughs> it doesn't feel like the positive vibe of Ziggler, but uh, I think you get it. Well, it comes off of Zig's message. It was so profound. Michelle, as always, what a gift to do this. Thanks for being here with me. Thanks, Kevin. So I'm wondering if you're now thinking of something you might need to consider quitting or maybe questioning what is the end result you're looking for and will this current trajectory get you there? Uh, and I'm sure some of you got great confirmation on some things in the past that you did quit. Uh, so uh, I, hope, I hope you all find yourselves resonating to some degree. It seems like everyone would have to a, a bit. If you got value from the show, will you let us know? Leave a review in iTunes for The Ziggler Show and tell us about this show and what you got out of it. Coming up in show 637, we are back with Abel James, the fat-burning man himself. He was our guest in show 635 where we have... Uh, the focus really came to our energy. You know, getting fit and trim and well is great, but the main value is increased energy. And, and who wouldn't appreciate that? So do yourself a favor, check out that show. In this show, we go through, of course, the seven spokes of the Ziggler Wheel of Life and audit Abel's habits. And yes, the first uh, 18 minutes, I think, were spent on the first spoke alone, physical nutritional. I mean, that's where he lives. And he, But he went through his daily regime in, in detail. Uh, you're going to gain a lot from it. He's so casual and grace, gracious with his methodology. I think it'll give you a lot of comfort with what you can truly do to help yourself increase your energy, which, again, helps everything. Uh, one thing of interest from his habits, he and his wife took a year off the Internet, uh, not something you'd expect from a celebrity he uses the online world as the chief location for their business so you're going to be interested to hear all about that and more so till then folks thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together <laughs>